Good morning, family. Welcome to Community Church. Good morning, guests. If you're not normally attending here, you're welcome to be here. Good morning, online. The family of God is gathered here this morning. Each one fashioned by God. Each one called by God. Each one intentionally made for this season, this time, this hour. Each one with a purpose. Each one with value. And today, when you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. In this moment, in this service, when you hear the voice of God, respond. It's what you're made for. It's what you've been qualified for. Jesus gave his life for you to be able to respond to him, so you're free to do it. So this morning, release your heart. Release your faith. Trust that family's okay together. Reach out to the Lord this morning. Holy Spirit, we release ourselves to you this morning. One family before you. One family responding to you. Meet us this morning. Inspire us this morning. Move through us this morning. It's what we're made for. It's what we've come for. To be with you. Come, 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 Holy Spirit. We're here for you. We're here to meet with you. We're here to hear you. We're here to respond to you. Hallelujah. You know, we're going to go into the song. We're going to sing the song. But what I want you to do, because I feel like we're in a season right now that for some of us, it's a tough season. For some of us in the house, it's tough for us to get up and to get motivated because there's stuff going on. But it's actually the exact thing that we need to do. Is we need to put our full confidence in our trust in God. Because just like they're singing, He is never stopping. He is always working, even when in our midst it doesn't look like it. He's doing something. God is doing something today. Do you know last Sunday we had a salvation in this place? In the midst of all our stuff, God is moving underneath all of that. He is doing something. Somebody's life last week was transformed, completely shifted and changed. And you know, God wants to do that today too. And he is saying right now, whatever it is, just speak it out. Just like the songs have said, prophesy it. I prophesy freedom into my life right now. I prophesy salvation into a community right now. I prophesy financial breakthrough into my life right now because our God says He is a God who is faithful and He takes care of all of our needs. I prophesy healing in this house right now. For all of you right now who need a healing, just put your hand up. Put your hand up right now. Father, right now, for each one in this house who needs a healing, you see their hands, you see the issues, you see the problems. And Father, right now, you can come, you can move, you can touch their lives, you can fully heal, because that's who you are. So in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray healing over each one in this house, God. Whether it's over their mind or their bodies, we pray healing into this house, into the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, right now, I want you just to stretch your hands towards our community. Do you know, there is a word being spoken in churches across our world, spoken at the conference in Edmonton this week, that the harvest is ripe right now. 
Nathan feels it upon his heart to start a prayer thing on Mondays. It's not all fluke. It's because God is doing something now. He's asking his believers to come in line with his plan. And he's saying, get a heart for my people, the lost ones out there. So, Father, right now we prophesy salvation to Spruce Grove. We prophesy salvation to this land. Father, we see it happening right now. We see it happening at Superstore. We see it happening at Max. We see it happening in our jobs. We see it happening in our schools. We see it happening in our churches. We prophesy salvation will happen in Jesus' name. So we're going to prophesy over one more thing. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said there are those in the room today that your faith is in a place where you're struggling. There's a bit of a slumber, and I feel like the Lord is saying right now for some of you, you're frustrated with that, and we're going to prophesy life. We're going to prophesy that God will awaken something in you that hasn't been awakened in a while. So if that's you today, I don't know if you need to stand, put your hand up, whatever you need to do, you can do it, but let's extend our hands once again. Father God, right now, we prophesy in the name of Jesus Christ for each one in this room who needs a touch from you, God, where their spirit is in slumber, where it's hard to get up in the morning, it's hard to function, it's hard to pray, it's hard to read the Bible, it's hard to do anything right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for life. We pray for life. We pray that you would awaken those bones, that you would awaken that spirit, God, that you would renew that hunger that whatever's going on inside of them would shift, it would change. And today, in the name of Jesus, life, 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 life over each one in this house. In Jesus' name, life over each one. Life in Jesus' name. Can we say amen? Can we say amen to that? Tanya shared a little testimony with me, and I think she needs to share that. How many of you like testimonies? You better like testimonies because testimonies are kind of key in our faith. So testimony, share your testimony. I think just thank God for his love. I thank God for the river that's in us and the life that's in us, right? Amen? And we have that life in us. And, and as we connect with him, it pours out of us. And last night, we were, I've been four days at the summit. Did anyone else go to the summit? Okay, well, I went. And I had an awesome time. And... Um, Last night, oh my gosh, it was so good. Um, there was healings, there was breakthroughs and stuff like that. We got the, the, the atmosphere was like electric. electric. But um, this, this man came in, and Rodney, my husband, and a friend uh, was out there, and they, they just, he just came in off the streets. This was at the end. And he, he came to ask for prayer to get protection to go to a concert club type. because he was picking up in the spirit that there was demonic forces that was going to kill him and attack him so he's coming he was afraid he finds out he's like uh, a a white witch and into like uh, new age and so he was picking up the the stuff that was going on and so we got to pray with him and the the fire of god went on him and it was like just sweating just the fire you could manifestly see the fire and uh just just pouring into this man and he 
we had a huge talk about spiritual stuff and I talking to him about the, the realm of the spirit and things like that. And he was like, wow, Christians know that stuff or you know what I mean? He, he was, it was kind of neat. And I just, the enemy has taken these things and twisted it and perverted it. But this is what, this is, this, you know, this is the power that's in Christ. This is the power that's in God. And so got to witness to him, got to release life on him. And I just said, you know what? You can just step right into the kingdom just like this. And, he, and, he, and I said, right there. And he took that step. And when he did, he began to weep and weep as the Spirit of God was on him. And I said, Jesus loves you. And, and allowing that love to pour out of us like a river is what our community needs. And we're going to pray for revival. Then we're going to have to expect all sorts of fish when we go fishing. And we got to be the ones there to clean them. And as, as God moves in us, and you got what it takes. You got it going on. You got Jesus, and that's all you got to do is love. And when love comes and fire comes, you, you know, you got a testimony. <laughs> and so that's what I'm here to testify of love and fire. And I want to just encourage the body, Chris, to just let Jesus be Jesus in you. And you're lovely, and you're awesome, and, and God... Watch out. You start thinking that way, it's going to set you up with something that you're like, wow, I can't believe that, you know, God is doing this right now. So I just pray for, like, divine setups for everybody in this church. Amen. You know, this is interesting. You know, we were just talking about some of this stuff, and, you know, we don't always talk about witches and all that kind of stuff in church. But, you know, there are people in our world that are into some pretty weird stuff, some pretty different stuff, the occult and all that stuff, and that stuff is real. And do you know that Jesus loves them too? Right? He died for them, and he wants to see them transformed, changed, renewed, and fully restored to him. Amen? You know, and and I just want to say, you know, I, I remember going to Brownsville years ago, and I've shared this here, and I went to go see all their keynote speakers when they were having a, a revival there. And I remember going into one of the services and I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I seen this lady come in. And she was acting quite weird. And I was thinking, what is going on with this lady? And all of a sudden, she got down on the ground, and she started doing all these weird things. And, you know, I had never seen a, a witch in front of me, but this was the first time I had actually seen a witch in a church. And what she was doing was speaking curses over the revival and what was going on in the church. And I remember as I was watching this, I saw their security team and all that, someone like Henry Wright, and I'm like, you're going to do anything about this? You know, and this one lady was there, and I was like, and she goes, oh, yeah, I know, it's okay. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and we continue on, and we do our whole thing, and at that time, there was a speaker by the name of Stephen Hill. Some of you may know him. He was one of the keynote speakers, and he came out front while this lady was still, she was literally underneath a pew doing her thing, right? And they're just doing their thing. And uh, he came up and he said uh, a few things. And he said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot. We want to welcome some people today. We want to welcome all the witches. Because we know you're actually in the house, too. And he said, I want to introduce you to some people. And he calls out about four or five people. And he says, these people came here last night. And they were all witches. But they met Jesus. And their lives were transformed and fully changed. And guess what? God wants you too. And so let me say something. The harvest looks different. It's filled with the clean people who look good that we love witnessing to, but it's filled with the ones that don't look good. He wants them all. And so God is going to teach us, his body of believers, 
how to know the faith that we walk in, that we actually have the power of Jesus Christ. It resides in each and every one of us. We are going to see this community fully changed. I don't care who they are. Witches, it don't matter. They're going to see Jesus. Amen? All right, we got a wonderful youth pastor in our church, right? He's more than just a youth pastor, you know, and he spoke a few times this year, and, you know, he's done a pretty good job. Oh, no, sorry, last year. Thank you, Jim. I always think of September as this year, but you're right, January is this year. So let's welcome Mr. Paul Eklund as he shares with us today. Um, so if you didn't notice... Uh, I was actually gone for two weeks uh, at the end of December and the beginning of January. Uh, and so what actually happened was I, I got a Sunday off and I got to go see my family over Christmas and it was pretty incredible. And, uh, and then the second week that I was gone, uh, a, a, our leadership, youth leadership team went down to Sylvan Lake and, uh, and we, we had a, a, a retreat together with leaders, youth leaders and youth workers from all over Alberta, and we just got together and spent some time worshiping God, getting poured into, because youth ministry is, is really hard. If you've never done it, it's really hard, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but it's worth it, right? It's worth it. Every single second, every, all the blood, sweat, and tears is worth the next generation. And so at, when we were there, I got a couple... But, but when we were there that weekend, uh, I really felt like there's this, we're coming into this new season of healing. Like I, I feel, and like God is saying, we need to pray for healing every single Sunday. Um, specifically up until the conference in March that we're hosting here. Um, I'm not sure why that's so important, but I do know that I feel like there's going to be like a wave of healing um, in, this, in this family and in this community. And it's not so that our hips feel better. Uh, it's so that we have a story to tell and we have witnesses so that when people hear our stories, they can be like, oh, hey, tell me more about that. Um, and so it's, it's, there's this wave coming. And so are you prepared for it? Uh, and the second thing is, is I have a word if you are over the age of 30. Um, so, and, and, and so as we were worshiping at this conference, the other thing I heard is, uh, is we're all broken, but there's a broken generation coming along behind us. And, uh, and a lot of it is coming from, you know, divorce, gender dysphoria, confusion, all these different things are creating this generation that doesn't know who they are. They don't have that solid identity, uh, that a lot of us were hopefully, uh, grew up with and were instilled in us. And so there's a generation coming under the age of 30, and I feel like we're going to start seeing that more and more and more into this church. And a broken generation does not need a list of rules. They need a mother and father who will walk with them and love them. And then that's where transformation comes from. And so if you're over the age of 30, I feel like there's a call. Are you prepared and are you ready to mother and father? Um, I was at a, at a workshop on Friday uh, specifically about faith, gender dysphoria, uh, sexuality, all these different things. And, 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 and there was a bunch of testimonies and a couple of people who were transgender were there and they kind of gave their testimony. And, and the thing is, is that identity takes a long time to figure out sometimes, right? Sometimes God can like speak into us and we immediately know who we are and we're like, I'm a son and daughter of God. Okay, that's how I'm going to live. But more often than not, it's a transformational thing that happens over time. 
And a lot of the things we're going to see with this generation as they're trying to figure out who they are with this younger generation as we, they try to figure out, okay, who is God? What does he mean? It's going to be a long process. And as fathers and mothers, fathering and mothering is a long process. And so I feel like the call for all of us over the age of 30 is, are we willing to do the dirty work? Are we willing to submit and, and commit to the long process for transformation in this next generation? And so if that's you, that's the challenge this morning, is what does that look like? I don't know. But I know that my heart is willing to commit to the long process, and we need fathers and mothers who are willing to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to commit. It's going to be messy, it's going to be ugly, and I'm in. And so that was the other kind of word that I felt for this, specifically for the church family, um, and, and just the church in, in general. Things that adults do but are too afraid to admit to their friends. These are the things that, as a grown adult, you kind of are like, should I tell my friends about this? But it's okay, you can. It's fine. Things we do. Desperately search our friends' garbage after they receive a package, hoping that they weren't monsters and didn't pop all of the bubble wrap. You know what I'm talking about. You know, in the winter, when you're driving around the corner, especially this year, I feel like the cities are just, like, spraying water on the road, and they're not even, like, putting down sand or salt or anything. It's just, like, let's drive around the city and just spray water, right? Like, I don't know why, I don't know why it's so bad. But you know when you're, like, driving, especially this year, and you go around a corner, and your, like, back end kicks out? There's not one adult in here who does not go, Wee! When you go around the corner. It's okay to admit, everybody does it. The other, the other thing, it's always in our car, right? It's always when we're alone in our car that we do the things we don't want to talk about. As, as an adult in your vehicle, when you're alone, there's not an adult in here who, as soon as Bohemian Rhapsody starts, does not start headbanging. <laughs> Especially at the part in the middle. And I don't even know I need to tell you which part it is because you already know what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> one more. As an adult, things that we are too afraid to admit. All of us, <laughs> all of us had blankies as children. So all of us are too afraid to admit that our blankies are somewhere close to the vicinity of our bed as adults, right? <laughs> might be tucked in the corner, might even be on your bed, no judgment. I'm just saying it happens. I actually, I, I very vividly remember the day that my dad took away my blankie. <laughs> it was yellow, and he told me I was too old for it, and then he put it in a plastic bag and put it on the counter just out of my reach. And then it sat there for two days, and then it was gone forever. Talk about a way to traumatize a 14-year-old. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for family, and I thank you so much for friends. And God, I just pray this morning that you would speak, that you would be here, that you would show up, that, that we would just not be here for the sake of being here, God, but that you would move and that community would flow and that, uh, that we would just, just hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you are like, was Paul actually 14 when he had a blankie? It's a joke. I wasn't actually 14. I was 13. No, I'm just kidding. I think I was like five or six. I don't know.
Okay, so this morning, fear in the middle of uncertainty. I like how like God just knows what he's doing and how faith, maybe I should learn to read. I might be going back to school. Okay, so Hebrews 11, verse 1. I'm going to start there. Uh, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Faith is the confidence, right? Another way, faith is the foundation of what we hope for will actually happen. It's, it's, It's what we build everything else off of. And faith is trusting God in the middle of uncertainty. Through their faith, the people... And, and so this concept, this idea, is, um, is that God has been really laying this on my heart for the last couple months. Um, uh, something I've kind of been, like, reflecting on, right? Because life is uncertain, right? There's a lot of things that are going on that we don't know about. And, and, and the question is, how do I, how do I continue to live my life with faith and live out my faith in the middle of those uncertainties, in the middle of these questioning seasons. And so this morning, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit uh, to different parts of the Bible. And, and eventually, we're going to start in Genesis 11. But before I get to that, uh, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about psychology. Okay? Is that all right? Okay, good. So psychology is the study of our minds and how they function, and then specifically about our behaviors. And, 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 and psychology, it, it really like fascinates me. I love it. I, I love like figuring out, like talking to people. You know when you have those conversations with people, and it's like, why did you just respond that way? Right? If you're in a marriage, you've experienced this, where, you know, they say something, and you're like, like, what in the heck are you talking about? It never happens, Rachel. And, uh, and so, but, but when you kind of like dig in a little bit into like, you know, their upbringing, their parents, like the, their, their, their values, all these different things, you can kind of start to see like, oh, okay, how they responded in that moment actually really makes sense. And so I love like just studying people and kind of how we all react in different ways and how we all respond in different ways. And what I want to briefly talk about is how incredible our brains are, right? Like our brains are designed to keep us from dying, right? It's, it's they're designed to constantly take in information and decide, okay, is this a moment where I need to run away? Is this a moment where I need to fight back? Right? Or am I safe at this moment? And our brains just are always constantly taking in information. And we subconsciously, we don't even know we're doing it. It's just subconscious. We just, we don't know what we're doing, but we kind of like are always, always uh, looking at information around us and trying to decide are we safe or if we're not. Right? And that's so, so important. Because if Jim texts me and he's like, hey, let's go north of Spruce Grove and build a tree fort. Right? If we go north of Spruce Grove and we're walking through the forest and a bear jumps out, a nine-foot grizzly bear jumps out at Jim and I, I don't want to like sit there and be like, okay, that's a bear. Should I fight it? Should I push Jim down and run away? Like, I'd be dead already, right? 
but my body will naturally just be like, run away. And then I'll have to like, take off or outrun Jim or do all these different things, right? Uh, to keep myself alive because my brain is always working. And so if we know our brains work that way, but we live in a relatively safe world where, you know what, a bear is not going to jump into the church and start killing me, right? Our world is relatively safe comparatively to, you know, 200, 300, 400 years ago. Then our brain will sometimes create danger when there's not actually danger. Does that make sense? Everyone tracking? No one falling asleep yet? Um, so I'm going to get, hey, Isaac, come up here for a second. I didn't actually tell him I was going to do this. Our brain creates danger. And statistically, did you know that most of you would rather die than have me call you up to stand up here? Right? (laughs) Statistically, more people are afraid of public speaking than of death. Right? Which is is crazy. So, So if that's the case and we're creating this danger... Then, then when Isaac comes up here, he's going to have one of three responses, right? Um, if I call him up here, he's going to have emotionally, mentally, physically, in his brain, he's going to have, really, he's going to have one of three responses. And so the first response is he's just going to be neutral, right? He's like, well, whatever, Paul's just making me do things again, right? Like, so, so which is probably his response, right? It's going to be neutral. Um, or he's going to... Uh, have a negative response, right? He's going to internally make himself into a victim, essentially. Because, you know, why does Paul always make me do things I don't want to do? Why doesn't he know that I hate getting up in front of people? Doesn't he know that he's a jerk, right? <laughs> Right? We, we do this so much. We like internalize things and then we make ourselves into a victim, essentially. And, and we have this negative response. Or the third response that he's going to have is he's going to have a positive response. Or he's going to take personal responsibility for what's happening in the moment. Right? He's going to be like, oh, Paul's challenging me again. This is awesome. I'm going to grow. Right? Personal responsibility. Or, hey, you know what? Holy Spirit... What are you doing in this moment? And what are you going to teach me from this? Is this making sense? Yeah. So he's going to have one of three responses. And a lot of what his response comes from is going to be so many different factors, right? His, his parents. Parents, you matter. Right? His parents are going to, uh, how they raised him, uh, his personal values that he has, uh, personal experiences. So if he's had a really bad experience public speaking, then, then he's going to have a negative response when I call him to the front to stand in front of people, right? And so there's all these different things that kind of factor in to how we respond in moments, right? In situations, in scenarios, when we're at work, when we're at school, when we're at home, when we're in church, right? How we respond to all these situations is going to be one of three ways, and there's so many different factors that play into how we respond. Is that making sense so far? Everyone with me? Okay, you can sit down. Thanks. <laughs> you, you teenagers hang out with Michael too much. So literal. Um, another way we say this that, uh, that Pastor Mark actually says that I love 
is, is Pastor Mark, whenever you hear him talk, he always talks about uh, which well are you drawing from. Are you drawing from the well of life or are you drawing from the well of death? And, and, and there's different ways we can say it in different language, but, but it all essentially means the same thing. And, and, and isn't it true that all of us are faced with these situations all the time? Right? We, we get in scenarios where um, even being at home with your family, every single second of every single day, there's a chance that one of your siblings, parents, kids are going to say something to you. And in that moment, you are going to respond in a certain way. Right? This is a daily, daily, daily thing. And, and as I'm getting older, as I'm not 18 anymore, I'm learning more and more and more about how the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all these different things, how the things in the Bible, how much of these things are actually my choice. I actually have a lot more say in whether I have those fruits of the Spirit than I give myself credit for. So often, like, the things we want are dependent on our circumstances, right? Like, one day I'll be married, and then I'll be joyful. One day I'll have enough money in my bank, and then I'll have peace, right? The things that we look for and the things that we are searching for, a lot of the times, are dependent on circumstances. But faith, trusting God in the middle of our uncertainty is actually a choice. It's a daily choice. It's waking up and saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Maybe not with this season because there's a lot going on, but I'm going to trust you today. And, and we actually have a lot of control over what we choose in our life. And, and the thing is, fear and uncertainty are just a part of life, right? World War III could start tomorrow. I don't know. Right? There's a lot of things that we don't actually know about and we don't have control. It could be illegal to be a Christian tomorrow. We don't know. Right? You could lose a job tomorrow. Right? There's, there's all these things and fear and uncertainty are just a part of life. There's a quote by Nelson Mandela that I love and it's, Courage is not the absence of fear but the triumph over it. The brave man is not the one who does not feel afraid but the one who conquers that fear. We live in an uncertain world. We can't always control what happens, but what I can control, or what I can learn to control, is myself and my reaction in those moments. And so the question that all of us have to wrestle with and examine in our own hearts, and, 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 and sometimes this is a daily thing, sometimes this is a constant thing, sometimes this is, you know, in a season of life, you might be wrestling with this more and more, And the question is, in the moments of uncertainty, in the moments of fear that all of us will face, in the moments or seasons of life that are confusing, or in the moments of seasons of life where we feel like God is not listening, or he's made a promise and it's not coming through, how do we choose to respond? Do we respond by, you know, like, giving up on God? Like, God, you're not listening, so... uh, I'm just going to give up and move on? Or, or do we keep taking small steps forward, keep trying, testing, failing, which is okay, restarting, listening, 
and trusting God that he has a big picture and a big plan and can work all things out for good if we put him first and we pursue him and who he is. And, and these are really big questions, right? These are really, really big questions, and, and we all have to face them in our life. Faith in the middle of uncertainty. And, and how do we keep faith? How do we keep moving forward in the middle of those hard seasons? And, and really, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's a journey, and I think it's uh, a process that we have to learn as we go. And for all of us, we're all so different, and we come from different places, and we have different families. And so for all of us, it's this like learning process. It's this journey. It's this having a safe community of people who can kind of walk with us as we're trying to wrestle through these big questions and figure this out. And, uh, and so I want to pull a few ideas out of Genesis 11. Um, and this is the story of Abraham. Uh, at the time, he's Abram. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can turn to Genesis eleven twenty seven. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister Iskar, Iska. Old Testament names are always the best. I feel like if there's a next wave of babies in this church, we should just like name them all. Like, you should let your friends name your baby. <laughs> and they can only pick a name from Genesis. I don't see a problem with this idea. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, this, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died well still in Haran. Chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morath. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord, who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Then Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev. Did, did, did you see what happened there? In, in verse 31... One day, Terah took his son, Abram, and then if you skip ahead, he, referring to Terah, was headed for the land of Canaan. So, so God's promise was made to Abram, but the promise that Abram was given was already in motion generations before him. That's good. Good word, Paul. 
So the word was given to Abram, but the promise was already in motion the generation before him. And, and, the, and the idea that we all have to come to terms with as we're trying to live out our faith in the middle of uncertainty is God's plan is bigger than you. It's humbling, but it's so important is God's plan is bigger than you. God's plan is bigger than me. And, and, and a lot of the times as humans, especially in like Snapchat and social media age, we all think in moments, right? Like an Instagram story. That person's life is perfect. But it's just a moment of the train wreck that you don't see behind the scenes. <laughs> just, just being real. When I post on my Instagram story, I don't post myself like when I wake up after a youth night because there's drool everywhere. There's like massive bit, right? I post like the good picture of a teenager laughing the night before. But, but and so, so we all kind of think in like these moments, but God thinks in millennia. Your destiny and the God and the calling that God has for each of your lives was being set up generations ago. God has been moving pieces, changing lives for generations so that each of you would be at the place you're at right now with who you're at right now. For a purpose and for a calling. And how we live our lives matters. We have been influenced by generations and right at this moment, we're influencing generations still to come. Generations that have not been born yet. And how we live, choose to live our lives matters, right? Think, think about it like this, okay? So if, if this whole entire row is time as we know it, okay? So uh, past, present, eternity. So this chair and Galen's chair is time as we know it because God has promised us eternity. And eternity is a very long time, right, compared to this whatever 6,000 years we've been on earth. So this is from Adam to today, right? You see the eternity is a long time, right? And so all of our lives, do you have a pen or something? Perfect. This is our life relative to eternity, right? And so if we're alive, you know, 60, 80, 90 Kathy's going to live to 150, right? If, if that's our life, so can you hold this for a second? Relative to eternity, we're pretty small. But God, in his wisdom, has set up things this far for this moment. And he's setting up things in this moment for eternity. And so what we do in this moment affects eternity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So if we think of it in that term, God's got a big plan, right? Eternity, those six chairs are a long time. And, and even when we mess things up or things don't go how we think they should, God is always moving. He's always shifting things. He's always setting things up to carry out his plan. When I'm overwhelmed or frustrated, this is actually the picture that I think about for myself, right? When something goes wrong, 
I actually have to be like, okay, Holy Spirit, can you just show me what you're doing in this moment? Because otherwise I would, you know, get depressed, get sad, get all these other things. But when I stop and say, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in this moment? And I actually step back and look at the big picture, then things can start to change in, in my heart and in my vision and in my uh, future. I, um, I actually got to kind of experience this over this Christmas, which was super cool. Uh, so if you don't know, I have 10 siblings. Um, uh, my, my dad was married uh, when he was really young, had five kids. Uh, they got divorced, and then he, ha- he married my mom, had four kids with my mom. I'm the youngest. And, uh, and then after my dad passed away, my mom got remarried, and so I have two step-siblings from that. And, uh, and so we, we don't see each other a lot, like my half-siblings and I, but I intentionally try to reach out to them every once in a while. And, and so over this Christmas, uh, before Christmas started, I sat down with my oldest brother and his wife, who are incredible, and I love them. Um, and so he's 30 years older than me. And, uh, and, and as we're kind of sitting at the restaurant having breakfast, we, we, we started to talk about, like, our family and how, like, our legacy and what the calling is. And they were sharing stories of, like, they were pastors years ago. And, uh, and, and even sharing the calling that God had on their lives then. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's the calling on my life. And the calling you were living out 30 years ago and are still continuing to live out, even though we don't have a really close relationship, God's placed a call on my life. And if we actually think about it, I'm here because of pain and suffering and a divorce. And so in a perfect world... I should not be here. But through pain and suffering, God is continuing to build a legacy in my family's name that is going to affect generations. And so I feel like the call is out there for all of us here of whatever the pain, whatever anything that happened, God is still building legacy in your family name. Whether you have a son that's run away or a daughter that's gone or a sibling who's not following Christ, God is moving things in, in our lives to create his plan and his vision and to create a legacy and to create a future of, of, of changing the world. Uh, if you flip to Acts 7, uh, this, this is the story of, of um, Stephen, who was the first martyr for Jesus. And, and uh, in Acts 7, 1, he, he's being accused, but they give him a chance to defend himself. And, uh, and so, whoa, that's dangerous. Um, and, uh, and so he, he kind of starts talking about like the Jewish history and, uh, and kind of using that to explain Jesus to the people that were accusing him. And I love the first section. He says, Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations t- true? This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and, s- and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and, uh, and lived in Haran until his father died. 
Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end they will come out and worship me here in this place. I spend a lot of time thinking about the future and like what I want to see in the future and more importantly who I want to become in the future and how I'm getting there. And, 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 and one of the things I, I think about a few times, a couple times, I'm just going to admit this. I think about like the time right before I die because facing death or thinking about the fact that we're all going to die is, is, is humbling, right? And it helps you put perspective on your life. And, and in the moment when Abraham was right before he was going to die, I, I kind of wonder, like, God had given him this amazing promise, right? Father of many nations. And as he's about to die, he has two kids. <laughs> right? Like, that's a really big gap. I have two kids. God promised me millions. Something's missing here, right? And, and so I kind of wonder, like, what was Abraham thinking in that moment? Like, like did he kind of start to question? Or was he like unwavering, God, I trust you. I don't see it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But in this moment, I'm going to trust that you are doing more than I can see. It's like what Miranda was singing this morning. Even when we don't see it, God, you're moving. And I wonder if Abraham was thinking that in the moment of like, okay, there's this big gap here, but God, are you moving? And, and I've come to the conclusion that there are going to be things in my life that I have to be okay with not seeing the fruit of. And at the same time, even though I don't see the fruit, I want to be a person who honors the generations that are coming behind me and the generations that came before me to set up what I live, get to live out now. Um, Pastor Mark and Wendy have fought battles that I never have to fight. And I am incredibly grateful for what they've done. In October, we had over 200 students at the Alliance Church uh, from six different churches around Parkland County. And we get to come together and join because of what Pastor Chris and Jen started 20 years ago in this community. And they got to do that because of the people that came before them. And it went back and back and back and back to generations. And I think as people, we need to learn how to better honor that, how to honor them, right? I think of my grandparents who, who like growing up, or my parents even, there was a lot of religious spirits in the church in the 80s that we don't have to fight because of the generation that came before us. We get to have freedom to wave flags. We get to have freedom to shout, to sing, to worship um, because of the battles that have already been fought. And, and, and I don't know about you guys, but I want to be someone who honors that 
but then also honors my responsibility to pass it on and to fight the battles for the generation coming later so that they can live out what God's calling them to do. I think of, uh, of King David, um, who desperately wanted to build the tabernacle for God. And God told him no. And said, your son's going to do it. But you need to compile the material so he can do it. Right? Like, that's heavy. And, and I think we all have to come to the fact that, you know what? Some of your promises and some of the callings that God has on your life are not actually for you. But in this season and this time, how you steward it is going to either set up the next generation to succeed or you're going to cause some damage. And, 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 and so I think we all need to come to terms with, you know what, some of the promises, some of the things God's telling me to do are not actually for me, but I need to steward this. I'll never see the fruit of this, but God's got plans for it. I might not get to see the benefit of, you know, lives changed and, and all these different things, but you know what, with what I have right now, I'm going to steward well so that the generation coming later can carry it on. So I don't know where everyone's at this morning. I enjoy that Chris prophesied into the faith. I think that was so cool. And, and, and so I'm just going to repeat that is, is maybe you're in a season of faith where you're like trusting God and you're like, hey, God, I'm one foot in front of the other. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. Maybe that's the season you're in where you're like, hey, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to keep going. Or, or maybe you're in a season where, um, where you're pursuing him and doing what you think he's told you to do, but he seems silent, right? That's frustrating. Or maybe you're in a season where you feel like God's given you a promise, but there's a really big gap, right? Two kids, millions. I know my human brain can't come to terms with that. Right? And so maybe that's you. You're in this season of like, God's giving me this promise, but I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what the point of it. I don't know what God's working. And, uh, and, and so this morning, I just want to encourage all of you to keep trusting God. In the middle of uncertainty, there is hope. In the middle of fear, we can put our hope in Jesus in the middle of questioning, we can take just one small step of faith because God is faithful and God is good. Uh, I'm going to invite Jenna Miranda uh, to come up. And uh, um, I've asked them to come up and, and to just play for a moment. And in a couple of minutes, we're going to um, um, take some time just individually to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so I've asked them to just to play for a little bit, and then they're going to actually sing over, over us. Um, and, and before they do that, uh, in Hebrews 10, verse 19, it says, And so, dear brothers, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, 
fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And here's the important part. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It is now the year 2020, and, and, and we've begun to enter a new decade of Earth's history as we know it. And I'm willing to bet that a couple weeks ago, every single pastor in North America preached about having 2020 vision. And, and that's great, and that's fitting, because over the past month, and, and even before the new year, I kept hearing over and over from God for myself, for this church family, and for this region, that to grab onto the new vision, we must let go of the old. This past six months, I've, I've been reflecting a lot on the last 10 years of my life, and, and, and honestly, it can be a little depressing sometimes, right? All, all the failures, all the dreams, all the goals that I had that, that I've never seen come to pass and, and, and are, are still unfulfilled, and I've, things I've had to let go of, the people that have hurt me, all these different things. And, and when I spend time looking back and focusing on the past, it can take me out. In Genesis, in the story of Abram, it, it talks about how Abram set up altars to God. And, and altars that Abraham and his family could look to the past. But the altars were not a reminder of the journey or the problems he experienced along the way. But they were a reminder of what God did and what God said on the journey. And so as I shift my focus from what went wrong in my life over the last 10 years and start to shift my focus on what God did, everything changes. God showed up here. God moved here. God connected me with this person. I'm here because of this. God was moving all these pieces to put me in the place that he wanted me for where I'm at. Could you imagine what would happen if, as we look at this new decade, we could become a people that looks to the past decade not to find problems and not to find pain, but to find what God did? Because those reminders could be what gives us the faith to first change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives, and then change our families, change our schools, change our workplaces, change our community, change our province, and change our nation. And so Miranda's going to play for a bit, and then both these wonderful ladies are going to just sing over us. And as we do that, let's take some time where you're at. You can close your eyes. You can stand up. You can come to the front. You can do whatever you feel you need to do. And let's ask the Holy Spirit these two questions. Holy Spirit, in the past decade, what are the moments of my life that prove your faithfulness to me. And number two, Holy Spirit, what do I need to do or let go of to move forward in faith with you and with what you want to do in the next decade?
So, God gave a promise to Abraham, and he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So when Matthew is, we kind of look in here and we see all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. That's 1,600 years. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. But the promise never failed. The promise remained through all of it. And anybody who still had their eyes open, and they, would, they would even speak the promise. They knew the promise. It had been written. Now, interesting, we can go back a bunch more generations and find out that the promise was given to Adam and Eve already we got 4,000 years before that promise was was fulfilled in a way we could see it but remember God sees the end from the beginning so the promise was already fulfilled in the beginning so I just to me you know it's it's such an important thing to recognize that the promise is given to you even the destiny of an individual is much greater than one person's lifetime God sees families in lines And you are of the line of Adam. So he's seen your family from the beginning all the way through. And the promises that have been given all the way along are yes and amen, which means so be it. Yes, so be it. All the way along. And promises even that he gives to you today, don't give up on them. Many of them you'll see in your lifetime. Sometimes the promise is given in your lifetime. It's given a date. It's given a time. That's fair. So that can happen. But sometimes it is generational. And it goes on and it goes on. And he is so faithful. He is so faithful.